You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Welcome, everybody, to another QB Power Hour. Today's topic is getting paid with QuickBooks payments. And Dan and I are going to be talking about both QuickBooks Online and Desktop as well. My name is Michelle Wong. I am a CPA and the owner of Long for Success, the author of five different books. Check them out on Amazon if you want. The QuickBooks Online practice set was updated earlier this year if you need more practice learning about QuickBooks. There's the link for the Facebook group and the LinkedIn group. We'd love to have you join us out there as well, particularly that Facebook group. It's very active, so we'd love to have you join us out there. Dan, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, good morning or afternoon if you're on the East Coast. Uh, my name is Dan DeLong, the owner of DanWith. I uh, used to work at Intuit for about 18 years, so provision in all Intuit uh, ecosystem products, whether it be desktop, online, point of sale, payroll and payments, which is what we're talking about today. And I just uh, finished editing the QBO for Dummies 5th edition, which should be out in stores soon. Uh, So back to you, Michelle. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Great to have you. Yeah, Dan, his knowledge is just excellent. He knows a lot of the deep details. I always say I need somebody smarter than myself, and that's Dan. So glad to have you with us, Dan. All right, so just a reminder on the QB Power Hour webinars, it is a webinar series every other Thursday. Next Thursday is going to be um, Automate. They're going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about getting batch transactions entered into QuickBooks. So you don't want to miss that because Automate is amazing, particularly when you have clients Um, that might be using a third-party system that's not integrating with QuickBooks or somehow they've got sales coming from another system or or different transactions that you need to get into QuickBooks, Automate is amazing. So make sure you put that one on your calendar and join us for that. Um, But as you know, with our QuickBooks topics, we talk about various – or our topics in QB Power Hour, we talk about various topics, whether it's QuickBooks-related like we're doing today, or sometimes we talk about marketing, value pricing, third-party apps, and more. Um, But it's always going to be topics that are going to help you as an accounting professional succeed in your business. There's the links where you can find the PDF of the slides for all the QB Power Hours throughout the year, as well as the recording. So make sure you bookmark those links. And also, you can get today's slides from the handouts on the GoToWebinar toolbar. So you can download them there during the webinar, or if it's after the fact and you're listening to this on um, YouTube or something, go ahead and download them from that tiny.cc URL. You can get the handouts there. As a reminder about upcoming events, we've already mentioned the QB Power Hour upcoming, but I would like to personally invite you to join us for the QuickBooks VCon and Roadshow and some of these events coming up from Intuit. If you bookmark and go to qbtrainingevents.com, there you'll find lots of great events for you, and we've got a VCon, a virtual conference coming up next week where you can attend from your own own home, your own office, your own, you know, wherever you happen to be logged in, um, you can attend attend uh, that virtual conference, and they're going to cover certification training as well as other topics, so you'll want to check that out. And then also, we'd love to have you join us at QuickBooks Connect. That's coming up the first part of November in San Jose, California. It is an amazing conference. It's really jammed packed with great events over a three-day period or a two-day period, kind of depending on what you want to go. Um, And so we'd love to have you go. 
sign up for QuickBooks Connect. Dan and I will both be there as well as a lot of your peers and a lot of small business owners. So we'd love to have you see there, see you there and join us for that if you can join us. All right. Now here, when you go to qbtraininginvents.com, this is what you'll see and you'll notice there are webinars on the bottom left. You'll see webinars. Every single month into it has these free webinars, free CPE for you that you can join the in-person training. I really want to encourage you to go check that out because we're going to be starting the fall tour pretty soon. I believe we're starting in September. I think I'm going the end of September all the way through the middle of December. And I and other trainers will be joining you in cities throughout the U.S. We're going to talk about an intro to QuickBooks. We're going to talk about the core certification if you need to get certified. We will be doing advanced certification. We will be doing recertification training if you need to recertify, as well as, and all of those are free. But then we have some special events coming up as well. These are paid, but as pro advisors, you can get them at a significant discount. So you might want to check into them. The Grow Your Practice Workshop. We're going to spend time getting into the details on marketing and pricing and growing your practice with additional services like app consulting and app integrations and things like that. So it's a fabulous one. Then we also have a two-day master class where we're really getting into the details on topics like this and really getting into some detail on um, advanced topics with QuickBooks as well and technical details like importing transactions and using third-party tools. And I just can't say enough. Go check them out because they're, they're great. So we would love to see you. I know I'm going up to the East Coast around the new New Jersey or Long Island area. I'll be up in the East Coast. I'll be in California, near Irvine and Pasadena. I'll be in, I believe, Miami, um, just all over the country. And we have trainers going everywhere. I think I'm also going up to Portland. So I think I'm covering kind of everywhere. <laughs> but we have other trainers going to other cities too. So go check those out because Intuit just does an amazing job putting on these events for you. So I can't encourage you enough to go check that out. So what we're going through today, we're going to talk about QuickBooks payments. I'm going to let Dan go first because he's got great slides and he knows this stuff way better than I do. So we're going to let Dan go over the details of desktop and go payment. And then I will have slides in here to show you how it looks in QBO, QuickBooks Online. And we'll point out what some of those differences are because there's a lot of similarities between the two. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and launch our first poll question to kind of see where you guys are at. And remember, unfortunately, we don't have CPE um, for you all anymore, but we still like to share with you and get some information for you on these poll questions as to what you're using and what your clients are doing and things like that. So while you answer that poll question, I'm going to try not to mess anything up and change the <laughs> presenter over to you, Dan. All right. So let's see if you can click to accept that. And thank you guys for answering that poll question. Let's and uh, here's a good one that we have coming in. And Dan and I, I don't know if we'll talk about this, but I'll go ahead and answer it. And Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Wrong. Can QuickBooks payments ex receive payments from other countries? So if you have QuickBooks payments in the U.S., no, I don't think it can unless that's updated in the past few years. Dan, um, do you want to log comment yeah, on that? Yeah. So if you're talking about um, receiving a like a U.S. company receiving a payment in another country, yeah, no, it's it's only going to be. Uh, acceptable. Now there are third parties that, that will allow you to do, accept international payments and that you may or may not be able to link your QuickBooks payment account to that. Um, but there, there are other options out there. Uh, if you're in Canada, 
and using the Canadian version of, of QuickBooks, yes, you can receive payments in right. Canada, but you can't accept them in the US. So uh, there's that whole multi-currency and the, the currency exchange that, that just really and, throws things for a, a loop. <laughs> yeah, and, and what I've had to do, because I have had clients from Canada or from the UK, I've also had a, a client um, from South Africa, and I've used PayPal for those clients um, in that situation. When I have to have an international payment, I've used PayPal in those situations. So that might help you out some. Very good, thank you, Dan. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and close this poll and I'll share the results real quick. So 60% of you say yes, that you use QuickBooks payments. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we will help you learn some new stuff throughout the day today. 9% say no, I don't wanna pay the fees. And I will share with you and Dan will share with you a little trick that I do, I turn off the credit card part so they have to pay with their online bank account to save on the fees because <laughs> I'm a cheapskate. So I will <laughs> share that trick with you. 3% didn't know about it. 21% said not yet, but I'd like to. So great. Hopefully we're going to help you today so you can start doing that. So Dan, um, we should be able to see your screen now. Um, let me okay. just double check that and go ahead and Is carry it? on Okay, I can so, see your screen. Okay. So I'm showing... My screen too, and it's. Uh, are you able to see it? Is it? Yes. Okay. You're on fantastic. the title slide. Okay, so the QuickBooks payments and desktop and go payment. Yep. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. So uh, just a little bit about the history of payments in in QuickBooks. Um, you know, I was one of the three first three agents to support payments in uh, in in QuickBooks when I worked at Intuit. Um, and this was back in the day when um, the partnership was with Chase and Wells Fargo. So this is going way back. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that was back in like 2002 or so. So you kind of think of how payments has kind of evolved over the over that time period. Um, mobile payments was an option, accepting, you know, the Intuit payment network, you know, came out um, around 2015. What uh, Intuit put through an initiative to kind of consolidate all of those payment options, uh, whether it be you know electronic checks or bank transfers, those types of things, all under one payment account, and be able to do all that in one payment account, regardless of whether you're using QuickBooks or uh, online or desktop. Um, but there are some distinct features that you can do in, in in desktop that you can't do in online, and vice versa. So that's what we wanted to kind of illustrate here during this uh, during this webinar is kind of point out some of those uh, functionality differences. But with one payment account, you're going to be able to do mobile payments, accept them online uh, through e-invoicing, um, and 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 process them directly within your within your QuickBooks. So uh, one one thing I wanted to note about is the security in in desktop. Um, this was a this was a pain uh, to put it lightly <laughs> when it was rolled out, but the what I, the way I had to explain it to folks it was for your own good, right? Because inside of your QuickBooks desktop, you're going to be storing credit card numbers, bank information, a lot of personally identifiable information, and um, if you have one login um, and it, that password doesn't change over time. Uh, that's a that's a security risk. Uh, if your if your company file gets to be um, 
got hijacked or, or a compromise. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> so they instituted a, a requirement to change the password every 90 days. And uh, it has to be a strong password. And um, this allows you to stay in PCI compliance. And that PCI stands for Payment Card Industry. Um, but what it does when you do that every 90 days is it re-encrypts um, inside of QuickBooks Desktop, it, the, the, the security or the, the personally identifiable information is encrypted. So when you reset your admin password, it goes through and re-encrypts that. So if somebody got a, uh, a hands on your file that, didn't need, that you didn't intend to, um, that information will be re-encrypted over time. Uh, every every 90 days. So it is a pain, and uh, especially with, um, you know, with accountants and bookkeepers needing to kind of keep up on their, their admin password, those things need to be changed. And it's not just payments, it's any personally identifiable information. So if you have payroll, you've got everybody's social security number in there. If even just your EIN is personally identifiable information. So uh, not just with payments, but just in general, that security um, option is, is there. So charging credit cards inside of QuickBooks uh, can be done either on a payment transaction or on a sales receipt itself. Um, the way you would just do that is select the payment method. And then once, you're, you know, once your account is enabled, then it's gonna give you this option to either key enter the transaction, or if you have a swipe, uh, purchase a swiper, you can swipe the card uh, directly from there. Uh, you would obviously want to swipe it if you have the swiper and the card is present because that's going to save you on the fees uh, because that's less of a risk. When the card is present, the fees are going to be lower uh, for that other than, than typing it in. Charging ACH payments, very similar. You just choose the option of e-check and then you'll get the option to enter in their um, their banking information. Um, because it's um, going directly through the bank, there's typically less cause, cause of chargebacks. So the fees are gonna be lower than credit cards uh, by, do, by using this option. And um, in desktop, I believe it's, a, it's just a flat $1. Um, we'll talk about the, the QuickBooks Online when, when, uh, when Michelle gets to that. Now, e-invoicing, E-invoicing allows you uh, to send uh, an invoice out of QuickBooks that's payment enabled. So this is kind of hey, somewhere. Dan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Before you go on into the e-invoicing um, and get into that whole how it works, a couple mm -hmm. of quick questions for you. Um, mm -hmm. You were talking about change your password um, and how it requires you to do that. And I had a couple of people that say that. Um, so Kathy says that um, she uses ACH like I do, and um, she hasn't had to change the password on QB Desktop. And then also Lynn says, I've never been reminded in 2019 for account desktop to change a password. Do you know anything about that? That is, that's peculiar um, because I know, you know, when, when the initiative was back in 2015 for the security uh, issue, then any personally identifiable information would trigger, would trigger this option. Um, I remember... You know, talking to people and, you know, who didn't want to have this option at all. And right. uh, you'd have to go through and remove every bit of personally identifiable information, you know, uh, so social security numbers or tax IDs from vendors. 
um, you know, and the employees and just take out their EIN out of the company file. Just that one thing would, would typically cause that. So if it's not asking you to do that, I would be curious as to why for sure, um, unless it's just one well, particular and I was, company file or. You know, yeah, and like. I was just sitting here wondering, I wonder if um, there's something now with the new MFA, the multi-factor authorization, if mm -hmm. that has changed, or um, Kathy had a good thing here, and I was wondering this as well. On ACH, the customer is entering that data, not mm -hmm. us, so we're not storing that in our QuickBooks desktop file, right. so maybe that's why on the ACH side. So yeah. I wasn't sure, but those were some good questions, so I thought I would ask you before you moved on. Correct, yeah, if you're, if, and then this ties nicely into the e-invoicing, because if you're, if you're payment enabling an invoice, uh, none of that information is stored within your, your QuickBooks company file. So you're sending that e email out that gives them a pay now button on the e email itself. And then the customer is handling all their payment information. So that's why it's one of those things that's kind of like a mid risk rate because you don't have any information uh, regarding the, the payment itself. And uh, the customer can then choose, you know, what, what bank information they're they're going to be entering in there? So that that information doesn't flow back into into QuickBooks in its entirety. So that information is not stored on the customer. Um, but if you're entering the bank information on the payment screen or the uh, credit card on the payment screen uh, and charging it from within QuickBooks itself, then that information is going to be stored on the customer, and then that's going to trigger that whole process of needing to change the password. Hopefully that answers that question. Um, there's a lot of nuances when it comes to that. <laughs> so with regards to e-invoicing, QuickBooks is going to email the invoice and the customer is going to pay online on their end. Uh, you're going to have a lower fee than the key entered. So there's less of a risk because the card is, is more present, but it's more in control of the customer. And then you'll have the option of the choice of payment methods. So you can uh, send up these, set up these global preferences of credit card versus bank transfer. Um, and if you're like uh, Michelle, you're just going to choose bank transfer <laughs> as that option. Uh, but that's a global preference. And then you can go in to each individual customer and specify that as well. So if they tried with, if you tried with the credit card and um, they f keep forgetting that you're needing to you know, that they're, they actually paid you with a credit card and they, re, you know, re, rebute or rebute, dispute, that's the word I was looking for, uh, dispute the charge, then you can say, well, just never do that with uh, credit cards, just always do that with bank transfers on a per customer level. And then when you have an invoice and you're going to payment, uh, send it to someone, uh, it's going to send it through your webmail. Um, whether you're Gmail or, you know, other webmail service that you've set up within QuickBooks Desktop or your Outlook. So if you have Outlook installed on your computer, you can send it that way. Um, and then you'll be able to see on the invoice that the customer can pay online um, and what method. And you can change it on a per transactional basis if, uh, if you want to switch to um, ACH for that particular transaction or just give them, give them the choice. Now with recurring credit card charges, so when you're uh, when you're a business that is like a gym or something that where you have uh, the same amount each time per person, 
you can set up recurring charges and and you can do this in desktop too or uh, online too but it's um, it's it's set up a little bit differently but um, this is only handled in the merchant center and it can only be done per credit card so that's one big difference between desktop and online is that you can set up recurring payments for bank transfers in online um, and in the merchant center is where you would handle the recurring credit card charges. Um, the invoice and payment is created. The nice part is that your customers and your, your items are gonna be synchronized with the merchant center so you can create the actual sale uh, with the recurring payment and specify what day that charge is gonna happen. And um, so then all those things then get downloaded automatically once the, once the transaction goes through. Now, refunds, um, <clears throat> this was always a, a point of confusion when it came to issuing refunds. So when it comes to, to issuing a refund, you want to take a step back and understand what actually is being refunded. Did they overpay? Did they pay the wrong card and then they want to use a different card? Or um, are they actually returning something? So if they said, well, you know, cancel the order and give me back my money, that would be a case for the refund with a return. And you would start the situation or the, the, this process with a credit memo because you're returning goods and services. And then on the credit memo itself, you'll have the option then to refund that via their credit card. Now, when would you do a void versus a refund? A void is just canceling the credit card charge, but you can only void it within the day. So if it happens in that same day, then you're going to need, then you can void the transaction. So like it never, never took place. If, uh, if it happens in that, uh, the next day or after 3 PM Pacific time, I think is the, uh, the cutoff time or, uh, for when, uh, the service actually batches out the charges. Once it's gone past that point, uh, you'll, you'll have to do a refund in that case and actually give the money back to them. Um, and that, uh, you would just be processing the credit card refund when you're saving the refund. So in a situation where you're just giving money back to them without and giving them a, a credit, then it gets a little trickier because you're not actually giving them, um, you know, canceling goods and services. So it, it does get a little tricky. And, it, you know, in those types of things, it's on a on more of on a case by case basis. But um, you may want to do the refund inside of the merchant center and then you know handle the accounting side of things through just creating a check to accounts receivable to give them a credit so that they can use it later or um, vice versa <clears throat> one thing you can do in uh, desktop that you can't do in online is do an authorization so something like um, a car rental or a hotel where they authorize uh, put a hold on your funds uh, you can do that inside of, of QuickBooks Desktop. Under the credit card processing activities, there's going to be an author, authorized slash capture. And then it just uh, puts a hold on the on those funds. And then anywhere from one to 10 days later, you can then capture that uh, as a payment later. So, you know, they've stayed at your Airbnb or what have you. <laughs> and then you want to collect on that. Then you can capture it after um, after the dust settles. But that ensures that the funds are there, you know, it's kind of like making a reservation at a, at a restaurant, you know, they're going to hold the table for you. And then the capture, would you actually be going to uh, sit at the table? 
Now with all the payments accounts, you're gonna have the ability to do uh, mobile payments as well. Uh, so, but that's gonna be using the Go Payment app. So it's uh, you can download the app through the App Store or Google Play. Um, it'll, it's gonna allow you to accept mobile payments. Um, one thing to note is that it's payments only, meaning that uh, the Go Payment doesn't synchronize with your QuickBooks and your customers, um, you know, well, it does your customers, but it doesn't do any of your items um, unless you're using point of sale, but that's another story. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you can't necessarily sell something out of Go Payment and then have that information flow back into your QuickBooks, uh, but it will allow you to uh, accept payments mobily and then those payments can be then downloaded uh, to apply to an invoice that's already in your QuickBooks. Um, and to do that, you would just click on go get it, get online payments. There's multiple ways of getting them um, and it will allow you to download those uh, payments. Again, it's no items and just uh, payments only. And that's that's another area where actually QuickBooks Online is great because mm -hmm. when they're using the mobile app, they have access to QuickBooks and they can receive that payment directly on that mobile app. And like you know, they can actually go out, like let's say if I have a plumber come out, they can actually enter that sales receipt on the QBO mobile app, swipe the credit card to take the payment all right there. So that is a little difference between Go Payment for desktop and yeah. the QBO mobile app. So yeah, I didn't have a slide on that, so I wanted to put that out there. <laughs> right, and that's, a, and that's a big thing about, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily know that you can accept credit cards in QBO directly. Um, and that's what's great about, you know, doing that uh, because, you know, again, the, the history of the payments accounts is that Go Payment came out, I don't know, in 2008, 2009, something like that. And then that was a big push on that. And then now that's part of the, okay, well, this is how you accept mobile payments. And then later on, QBO was payment card, you know, industry got its PCI compliance inside of QBO. So now you can, you can do either. Uh, inside of QBO or or inside of Go Payment when you're using an online uh, company, the um, but you can and, and again you can do either in that situation. But um, some people don't want have don't want to have their you know field service agents access to their uh, to their QuickBooks. So that gives them an option to then make them a Go Payment user, and then they'll be able to accept payments. You know if they're um, uh, landscaping, pest control, those types of things, they can accept those payments and then it'll come back right back into their QuickBooks online. Um, and you know, Dan, I, I just want to make a comment here because um, I've had problems with my refrigerator lately. <laughs> my ice machine keeps freezing up and something keeps leaking. Anyway, th th it's a story I just wanted to share with you. So the guy comes out to fix the refrigerator and um, I'm like, okay, you know, how do I pay you? Can I pay you the credit card? And he's like, yeah, I'll write it down. I'll take it back into the office and then we'll process it. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, there's an app for that. So you can receive it on your phone. Yeah, I don't know how to set it up. You know, I can help you with that. You can get clients. <laughs> a lot of these small business owners, they know they can do it. They just are so busy working their business. They don't have time to figure it out. That's a great opportunity for us to help them accept credit card payments out in the field. So like Dan mentioned, lawn and landscape, plumbers, electricians, pet sitting, you know, the bug spray people. I mean, anybody who's out you know, doing services out in the field and things like that, that's a great opportunity for us to help them learn how to set this up. So 
I just wanted to share that as an opportunity for growing your, <laughs> your business and getting more work. Right. Sometimes they'll just show up at your door. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the big things about uh, big differences between desktop and online where, where it comes to um, the, the payments and the integration, because really when it comes down to it, the integration is where you're going to have a lot of time savings for, for you and your clients um, where when you're comparing this with other uh, payment uh, payment processors, whether that be Square or, or Stripe or um, anything else. <laughs> um, in uh, the biggest difference between desktop and online is desktop, you have to initiate the download. Once you send the invoice or receive the payment in, in online, uh, that everything else is going to ha happen automatically, or as Brad Smith would say, automatically. <laughs> um, but integration is really the best feature um, of this of this payment processing. Um, when you go into make merchant service deposits in desktop, uh, this screen is going to come up, and you have the ability to then to add your online payment. So anything that was done through Go Payment, or if you processed it directly in the Merchant Center. Or if you, um, you know, did a recurring transaction, you can download those transactions to the add online payments, um, and they're going to come in. They should come in here automatically, and then you would just um, select which ones you want to pay. Um, all things being equal, if if, if things uh, customers match up, then you would just record the payments, the fees, and make deposits right from that screen. So everything else, uh, with with the exception of um, not having it, having it done automatically, everything else happens automatically in this screen um, as far as recording the payments, making the, the, you know, recording the fees and making the deposits. And then you can set up the settings as far as where those things get automatically changed uh, down here at the bottom where you have the change, the change your deposit settings. All right. Oh, wait, so wait. Oh, you want to do on a, there. Uh, So Dan. <laughs> Okay, um, we have a really good question here. Go back up to the screen you were just on. When will the dismiss selected payments on this merchant deposit screen be working? Mine oh. is grayed out, <laughs> but I have old transactions that are waiting to be added, but have actually already been recorded. Gotcha. Yeah, th that's a pretty new uh, new feature. Um, that would be probably the best thing to, to contact uh, Intuit directly about that to see if, because uh, I'm sure there's, with, with any new feature, it works from that day forward. Um, and then sometimes, depending on how things happened up until that point, uh, it may or may not be, act, act, you know, uh, as what you would expect it to. So um, that's just one thing to kind of keep in mind with any new feature that rolls out with it, with, with Intuit. Typically, from that point forward, it works like a charm, but from that day prior, there's there's typically something that you know just didn't either get thought about or just didn't uh, you know doesn't fit the the exact bill of what it is the the feature was designed to do. So if it's a historical transaction that's that's showing back in the way back in the past, that might be a, a product investigation on on Intuit's part to get them out of there, uh, or they may just always be there it's one of those one of those uh nuances about the about those new features 
Okay, Dan, another one for you, another hard one. I've had mm. many problems with the merchant services not allowing you to make deposits. I've had to reinstall QB Desktop 2018 numerous times to get rid of the old payments. Any comments? Um, yeah, I know that uh, there was a there was an issue where it would say it can't match uh, can't match to the payment even though they were they were in there and uh, unfortunately you know repairing or reinstalling uh, QuickBooks was the only way to get that get that working. Um, it is uh, the best option, you know. Unfortunately, is is keep letting Intuit know about that so that they can find out how many people this is impacting and make a case for making a change for whatever that happens to be. But <clears throat> it doesn't happen for everybody um, and it doesn't not work for everybody. So it's, it's, there's, there's more to the case and then they got to get to the root cause in order to, to make that, make that work. And, and that's, um, that's the, the, the plus and minus of, of this type of thing is that the fact that it's integrated um, allows you, allows you to, to send, you know, the information to Intuit to be able to, to make those, make those changes happen. Um, and then on the flip side, if you, if you're using a different payment method like PayPal or Square or, and using some app to do that, then you may have, um, then you've got a, a strict disconnect. So now you got to wait for one thing to, to, to work with another. And it may or may not be the exception or the, uh, the expected way that you wanted to do that. Very good. Okay, thank you, Dan. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and um, I took control back while you were talking, Dan. Thank okay, you. Okay, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> and I will just say something that I don't miss unexpected situations with desktop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss those at all. It seems yeah. like there's not a lot. There's not a lot of issues like that with QuickBooks Online. So I just I like that. But anyway, yeah. all right. Speaking of we QuickBooks would call Online, them, we would call them undocumented program features, <laughs> <laughs> i.e., bugs. <laughs> all right. Let me do another poll question real quickly. So, are you guys using a merchant service account for your client, or what are your clients using um, for merchant services, um, especially if they're not using QuickBooks? You know, what other merchant services are they using out there? And then, quick. Uh, and while they're answering this, I wanted to just clarify something with you. People that are using QBO, QuickBooks Online, for their accounting, they're not using QuickBooks Desktop, they should use the QBO mobile app to accept those payments in the field, not Go Payment. Is that correct? Well, you, you have a choice, and that's what I was trying to get across earlier. So you can use either or. Uh, okay. So if, I always recommend you, the mobile app. Right. Uh, you know, if you're doing, if you are the one handling your accounting and, and you need to see, you know, and, and you want to do that as a, as a sale um, for a mobile payment, use the QBO app. Uh, if you have a situation where the person accepting the payment, you don't want them, want them to have op uh, the option to, to create a sale. They, you just want them to collect payments, use the QB, uh, the, the Go Payment app. So you have a choice of using either or, and even yourself. Um, so I was having, um, you know, an example. I was trying to accept a payment, and just for some reason, the the QB app wasn't letting me do it. I didn't have the card swipe with me, so I I think that might have had something to do with do with uh, accepting the payment manually. But the QB app was was crashing actually on me. 
uh, on my phone. So I went right into the the Go Payment app and accepted the the payment. Um, that's you know just you know, first try, um, and then the transaction you know flowed directly right into you right into my QuickBooks. So um, so you have the choice. Um, so you okay. can use either or. Um, that's good to know. To do yeah. It All just right, really thank you. It just really depends on if you want to record the sale at the same time that you're recording the payment. Great. Okay. Thank you. That helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. So if you are recording the sale, like he said, with you with the Go Payment, you can't put items in. So they would want to use the mobile app to enter that sales receipt um, in that situation. All right. Here's the poll results. So 35% are using QuickBooks payments or another Intuit merchant service. Look at the variety that we have there of what our clients are using. And that creates inefficiencies for us. And that creates more work, i.e., you should be charging a higher fee. All right, so just keep that in mind. And as we go through, you know, I'm going to go through now and show you how things work in QBO, like Dan showed in Desktop. I encourage my clients to switch to the QuickBooks Merchant Services or QuickBooks Payments in QBO because it streamlines the workflow, it saves time, which ultimately saves them money. It offsets the minimal differences in the fees. So just something to think about when you're working with your clients. Um, is if if processes take you longer, they should be charging a higher fee. So you tell your client, look, if you're going to continue to use Stripe or if you're going to use Square, your fee is going to be you know six hundred fifty dollars a month. If you switch to QuickBooks Payments, it's going to be you know five fifty or five hundred a month because it takes us less processing time. So that's just something to analyze with you and your clients and your situation. Something to think about. Um, but I encourage a lot of mine to switch because of the integration and the time savings. But let's talk about QuickBooks payments. You guys need to do what's right for you and your clients in every right. situation I know is different. Um, but let's talk about QuickBooks payments and QBO. So there's a lot of similarities between uh, desktop and online. As Dan said, there's two different fee or two different options in QBO, one with a monthly fee that has a lower rate. And the other plan has a no monthly fee, but it has a higher rate. So what you have to do is you have to look at your clients and say, how many credit card payments do they accept? How many you know, online payments? And what's that break-even point? Where should we pay the about $20 monthly fee to get lower rates versus where do we go with the higher ones? If you don't have a lot of credit card activity with the higher fees, you might want to go with the free option. If they have a super lot of activity, you might want to go with the paid option. So you have to kind of look at that and help analyze the break-even point for your client on which one is right for them. Um, but they do allow you to receive all those different credit cards, Amex, MasterCard, Visa, and Discover. Um, so like Dan was saying, and I've got slides to show you, when you're using the QuickBooks payments with QBO, you can email that invoice. The client has a link, and you're going to see this. I have slides in just a minute. They click the link to pay it online. They can choose to pay with a credit card or ACH debit. Um, and now it used to be free with the bank transfer, but now there is a low cost. I think Dan was saying it's 1%, but it's next day funding. You don't have to wait two or three or three to five days to get the money in the bank account. You can accept payments in person or over the phone. You can use a card reader. So when you sign up, a lot of times they may send you one for free. You get a card reader that you can plug into your phone so they can either insert the chip or swipe it directly on the phone so that you don't have, or the mobile device, so that you don't have to enter those transactions, all right? Now, once the payment's made, the funds are automatically put into the bank account of the small business. The in QBO, the received payment transaction 
and the batched bank deposit transaction and any fees associated, all of that is automatically recorded in QBO. You don't have to review anything and accept and push those payments in. It's all automatically recorded for you. The received payments applied to the invoice, any fees in the deposit, it's all automatically recorded for you in QBO. Um, so we're gonna go through and, sh and show you some of that. So this bottom one here, it allows them to get paid and records all the accounting transactions as well. So it's a huge time saver compared to Stripe and Square and, and you know these other ones. So one, here's one thing how I wanted to get to, started. Yeah, go ahead, please. One thing I wanted to add there, um, you can also accept with the with the newer, uh, it's it's a little bit more cost for the for the card reader, uh, but you can do contactless payments as well. So uh, Apple Pay and uh, Android Pay, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, as another option, and in um, the break-even point is typically about seventy-five hundred dollars in, in monthly charges. So, kind of keep that in in mind. Choosing the monthly option versus the pay-as-you-go, uh, that's kind of like the break-even point. But you can, you know, specify that with the, with your client because if they do a lot of in-person ones, then then it gets a, a very advantageous to use the the monthly fee uh, because that that uh, key entered one or they. Uh, the swipe rate is much lower. Okay, cool. Yes, thank you. Thank you for showing that. Um, so some people have been asking, you know, how do I see the different options and how do I set it up and stuff? This is how, in QuickBooks Online, this is how you're going to set up and turn on the QuickBooks payments and check out the different options and the fees and things like that. You're going to go under the big gear. So when you're in QuickBooks Online, you go under the big gear, you click on account settings under billing and subscriptions. See where it says payments not subscribed? You can go out there, click, and get in there and get the details. You also, under the accountant settings on the payments tab, you'll see the payments tab. Right up here, this green box where it says learn more. This is where you click to go out there to see the details on the options, the rates, the fees, everything, all the details that you want to know, and that's where you sign up for it. So you click on learn more, you get in there and you see here's for, pro, uh, this is a pro advisors, free bank transfer, this may have changed. Yeah. Any and all of these slides with pricing, check the latest rates because they change them and I think these slides are out of date. I think it's not, it's a small fee now, it's no longer free. So these slides right. need to be updated. You will see though, it's giving you the details of what's the rate when you swipe it, what if the invoices are paid online, what if it's a keyed in rate and you type in the credit card number instead of swiping it. It gives you all of those details so you and your clients can figure that out. It also shows you um, the two options between the free one versus the paid one, so you can compare those as well. When you're going through to set up the payments, it has a wizard that helps walk you through. You'll see the three different options. It's got a wizard to enter the information about the bank. What's the bank account where you want payments to be deposited? What's the information about the owner and the proprietor? Who owns the who owns the business? You've got to put their information in there as well because the credit is off opt off. <laughs> the, the credit of the owner is often used and looked at because a small business doesn't have its own credit. So they're going to go look at the owner. So if the owner has really bad credit, they may not get approved. So you want to help them make sure they've cleaned up their own credit uh, situation um, because they are looking at that when they're going in and approving this and everything and then also the business information up here about the business and then here's the bank information where the money needs to go so you'll see this wizard 
walks you through asking you all these details to help you apply for this QuickBooks Payments Merchant Service account. So you're going to go through with the business owner to fill this information out. A lot of it is pulling directly from QuickBooks Online already. So you just want to review it and make sure everything's okay. So here you'll see there's multiple addresses. You may need to choose the industry category and the type of industry. There are some specific industries that will not be approved. So there are some situations where you're not going to be able to use QuickBooks Payments, but there's not too many. I mean, a lot of times they are covered. However, with the new cannabis industry and things, I don't know what the latest laws are on that because it's that's a whole can of worms where I don't I just don't know. It used to be they would not be approved. Now some are and some aren't. So I don't know. You'll have to check into that. Um, but you need their tax ID. And then down here, how much do you think you'll process monthly? How much online payments or credit card payments or bank transfers, how much do you think they're going to need on a monthly basis? I recommend you kind of overestimate so you don't have to up that credit limit right away. You know, so you might estimate 25 or 50 percent higher than what you think, so you don't need to up that limit right away. Then you click next. You're gonna fill yeah, out the, the information. Go ahead, one, Dan. Yeah, one thing about that is that, you know, there's and and the reason that they they uh, they have to check the 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 customers, you know, the the primary principal's credit is because of the risk that's involved, and um, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily realize that there is a the way the funds are actually trans transmitted, they're transmitted from the customer's bank account or customer's credit card account at the same time they're trying to make the deposit. And if something happens in that, then, um, you know, Intuit has already fronted them the money and, but they haven't received it from the, from the collecting bank. So now it's, it comes up to, you know, the, 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 the risk toward, sort of thing. But, um, with, with that, um, and and getting a higher one, you know, if they see any an anomalies, like if normally your 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 charges are you know hundred two hundred dollars, and then all of a sudden there is a thousand dollar two thousand dollar card charge, those things get held in in uh, you know get held held up in the in the in the funding because of that. They want to make sure that it's a it's a legitimate charge. Um, anti money laundering, um, you know, if anything smells like anti money you know money laundering, they'll they'll hold it up. And unfortunately, it's for a good reason because you know if it if it quacks like a duck, <laughs> it it may be. So um, as it's a nuisance, hey, I just got paid. It's legitimate. They just need to kind of prove that, um, and and then uh, and then they'll release the funds. Yeah, and one thing I might add there is Intuit's processes. I mean, Intuit follows the guidelines in, in the industry standards. So Intuit is like Visa and MasterCard and all these other credit card processing. So when you're using Stripe or Square or whatever, all of these merchant services have some of the similar guidelines and things like that. Intuit is not unique in that. That's kind of norm in the industry um, to, to help prevent um, different fraud and theft and, and things like that. So th those are good points, Dan. Thank you for yeah. pointing that out. Another and, uh, point and think, with, and thing with uh, like Square and PayPal, um, they are not traditional merchant accounts in in a merchant account sense. They're uh, what's called payment aggregators. So they're kind of dovetailing off of other people's merchant accounts to be able to uh, collect payments in this case. So, you know, as things may be a little bit more simpler with those types of things, there might be uh, higher fees or, you know, just all these things kind of go into, um, you know, how collecting, collecting payments and, um, 
you know, it's, some some might be easy, you know, ease of use, but they're collecting higher fees because of that, and they're not, you know, a traditional merchant account in in that sense. But QuickBooks Payments is a traditional merchant account. Yes, yes, thank you. And when you're applying, you have to enter information about the owner. So notice down here at the bottom, you have to put the owner's date of birth in the last four digits of their SSN. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, you do need your owner information. And in a minute, we have a tip. I recommend you and the owner go through remotely and you do this together um, because you don't want to do this on your own for the client. And that's a tip you're going to see in just a minute. Then you enter the bank account information when the money comes in, which bank account, your company bank account, where does it going, what's that bank account information. So you need the routing number and the account number, of course. And then here's the tip. When you're doing it, the accountant should not be the primary owner. You're not filling this out. This is the client's merchant service account, and it's a legal document and a legal agreement. We should not accept this. The client does. So you don't go through and set up merchant service accounts on your own and apply for them and, and all this. You must do this with the client and let the client be the one that cl clicks, you know, uh, apply for merchant service account because it's theirs and, and it's a legal thing. So you want to protect yourself. So this is where you definitely will want to log in remotely with your client or be there on site with your client to help them to do this. All right. Um, so just keep that in mind as a caution. If your client was using QuickBooks desktop or any of these Intuit merchant service uh, solutions, you're going to need to convert that from what they were doing and connect it to the QuickBooks online company. Call merchant services and there's the phone number and they can help you to do that. All right, so if they were using desktop in any of these merchant service accounts and you need to now connect it to a QBO company, call in to that number and they will help you to make that connection there so you don't have to apply for a new one. Now let's talk about the online invoicing that Dan talked about and getting paid online because clients, especially with QuickBooks Online, can use the online invoicing without doing the online payments. So you choose your customer, you enter the invoice, and you click save, and I got screenshots to show you in a second, so I'm going through this slide quickly. You enter the invoice and you click save and send to email that directly to the client. The customer opens that email and, the, and that also will record the date and time that they looked at that, um, when they look at that invoice, and then they can click the button to pay it online. Also, with the online invoicing, let's say the client or the customer has a question. You know, hey Dan, you said this was going to be two hundred dollars, and you invoiced me two fifty. What was the difference? Dan can reply, well, remember you wanted to do this, and that was fifty dollars more. Oh yeah, all that online messaging can be contained right there with the history of that invoice. I'll show you that in a second. And then, of course, if you're using the QuickBooks payments, they can click to pay it online. So that's step number four. So let's look at the slides for this, and I'm going to go through it kind of quickly because it's kind of self-explanatory, and Dan covered a, a lot of the process. You create your invoice, and up here, unlike with QuickBooks Desktop, I can't set a global preference that says I always want to do the bank transfer and not credit cards. It's on each individual invoice. You have to uncheck credit cards if you want to do that at this time. Keep sending in feedback to Intuit. I'm hoping we can set that as a global preference or customer by customer preference, but right now in QBO, it's not there. So you, you indicate how you want to let them pay on the invoice. You click save and send. This is the email that the customer will get. Do not attach that invoice as a PDF because you want them to click review and pay. 
And I'll show you when they click this review and pay, they can click to save it as a PDF or to print it if they want to. But you want them to click review and pay so it records the date and time that they looked at the invoice. That way you know they got the email and they looked at it. So, and this is where the client or the customer enters how much they want to pay. They can choose if they want to pay with a debit card, bank transfer, or credit card. They put the information in. They indicate if they want to save that payment for future. So, you can accept the online bank payments and it can save it for future. That means also you can set up recurring payments, recurring sales receipts for either bank transfers or credit card payments. So you can, that's one of the differences between desktop and online is that you can do that for bank transfers too. Here's the view of the invoice the client will get. And again, they can save it to PDF or they can print that if they need to. In QuickBooks Online, I love this. When you go into the sales center, you can see the status. So you'll see a list of all these different invoices and you can see the status of the invoices that were sent, how many you know, has it been viewed yet? Has it been paid? And has it been deposited yet? So I love this convenient kind of flowchart to see where they are and what's outstanding. You can look at it at a glance to see some of that. Then on the invoice itself, on the bottom of that invoice, if you scroll down to the bottom down there, this is where you're going to see all the history of that invoice, the date and time that you sent it, the date and time that they viewed it, did you change it? Did they send you a message about it? Did they pay it? All the details, date and time, and all those details are going to be recorded right here with that invoice. So I love that because you don't have to go look for messages out in your email. It's all right here in that invoice within QuickBooks. So it's, it's all in one location. So this, again, is when they're using QuickBooks payments. So you can do the online e-invoicing without QuickBooks payments. But when they are using payments, you're going to have to remember, up here's where you change how you want to let them pay when you're sending that invoice. Okay, so remember that's right up there. This is a customer entering their credit card information on a sales receipt. So if you're making it recurring, so let's say you do monthly services for your clients. Every month it's $1,000 a month. You want to charge them on the fifth day of the month, let's say. You would set up a recurring sales receipt. And on that sales receipt, right here under the payment method, you would enter like MasterCard or Visa. You would enter the payment information or the bank account information. Obviously, there's a form that your client has to sign to authorize those automatic payments. And then once you enter that information, it will automatically hit that bank account or that credit card every period, whatever you set that sales receipt up, whether it's weekly or monthly or whatever frame, a time frame, it's going to go ahead and process that sales receipt automatically for you. That is a huge time saver. So I just love that. And then the, those recurring payments, this is showing you how to set the recurring payment. Up under the big gear, under recurring transactions, up here, have it automatically send the emails. So it will automatically record the sales receipt, record the payment, any fees associated, the deposit, and send that email to your client. You have to do nothing. You just automated that whole workflow. I absolutely love that. And in another situation, let's say you have a client that doesn't want to do recurring sales receipts. Maybe it's a landlord, and they have 50 different tenants. And they, they want the tenant to choose when they make the payment so it doesn't hit their bank account before their paycheck gets in there or something. They may make the recurring invoice 
let the tenants click to enter the online payment themselves when they want to make that payment, then again, with QuickBooks Online, the payment received, the fees, the deposit are all automatically created and, and posted into QuickBooks. So again, you've automated the entire workflow. You're not doing anything. You can't do that with Stripe and Square and some of these other things. And that's where I think it's such a huge time saver with, especially with QuickBooks Online, that I really talk to clients about changing. You know, it, it's a lot of times beneficial, especially if you're trying to match things from third-party processors in different batches and different groups, and you might have to have a clearing account to run it through. How much time do you waste per month trying to get that to all reconcile? It just drives people crazy and, and waste time. So I really like having it fully integrated like that. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, and um, so, Dan, do you want to add any comments on some of that? Um, I see some questions in here. And yeah, maybe here, Dan, this is actually a good question for you. How do things work and what do they do? Somebody says, I had an issue where my client had a payment rejected because they entered something wrong and no notification is given. Do you know how that works and what they're doing? Is Intuit working on a way to yeah, send a I'll notification? Have to, I'll have to reach out to you know some of my friends that are still there <laughs> and find out you know the, the inside scoop on that. But yeah, you get you get the notification as the, the payment processor, but I, as as what I'm gathering from the question is the, the customer didn't get that. Uh, so they don't know. Um, right. And that may be, you know, there may be a rule that they're following and, you know, just kind of keep that in mind that there may be a, a payment card industry rule, um, you know, with that, but I'll, I'll have to double check and, and kind of circle back on that one. And one, one other thing that I wanted to, to talk about, you know, when you mentioned it, you know, as a pro advisor, you get them lower fees. Um, another, another option or an opportunity uh, you know, not only the, the, the time savings that you're going to have when you have a client using, you know, QB payments, um, but if you if you join up with a, the QSP program or join a partner program that's that's built in with the, with the QSP, uh, you that's can start the, making. That's the, the QuickBooks solution provider. Right, the QuickBooks solution <laughs> provider. <laughs> Sorry about that. I threw out the acronym like, I, like everybody okay. knew what I was talking about. Um, you can start earning some residuals off of the, these these services like payments, and um, you know not only are you saving them money, you're saving them fee you know on the fees, you're saving them lower monthly fees because you're you're spending less time, but also you can uh, be earning a little bit more um, off of that as well. So you know reach out you know uh, if you're going to QB Connect you know you'll find lots of partners um, or, or talk to the Intuit booth about the, the QSP program if that's something that you uh, that, that interests you. Cool so um, that's great thank you Dan and then um, and this is great so and I love Brent's comment here. Brent thank you for sharing this. My fee is higher by a good bit if they meaning our clients do not use QB payments this is an additional incentive for them to choose the right solution. Exactly if the clients are doing things that cause you to be inefficient and one of the sessions or the session I'm doing at uh, QB Connect is called um, automating the processes uh, for third for the client's workflow and you at the firm and how to automate these processes to streamline our workflow. If the client insists on doing things that, that makes you inefficient and outside of your processes, they can and should be paying a higher fee. And so it's their choice, either pay more 
and go ahead and continue doing what you're doing or switch so that you fit into our streamlined processes and save time and save money. So that's something that I hope you guys can be working on, and that's part of pricing, which is not our topic today. So I don't want to get into that. <laughs> um, oh, look. Oh, look, weeds. <laughs> yes, exactly. So here's a good question that Joe had. Can you take credit cards for Europe or India? If it's a Visa or a MasterCard, does it matter the location that that card was issued? Dan, I don't, or I don't know. Um, I know JCB, which is a Japanese bank, uh, was a was a payment option at at one point. Um, but yeah, those uh, those international cards, as long as they're, you know, there's 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 that's a good question. Uh, definitely, you I know reach out. I, <laughs> I I know when we travel, I use my U.S. issued visa. Over in Europe, I have the inter international exchange fees, or I have a card that gives me free exchange fees. My visa is accepted worldwide. So yeah. I kind of think that if it's a credit card, if it's a normal Visa and MasterCard, I think that, yes, it might work. Yeah. But I'm not positive. That would be a great question for Intuit. Yeah. Because I, I know I use mine when we travel internationally, and I don't have any issues whatsoever. And so, somebody, asked, uh, somebody asked, how do you get the device, uh, the, the card swipe? Uh, if you go, the, those are best ordered in your merchant center. And, and that's another thing that we didn't even talk about too much was the going into the merchant center. It's merchantcenter.intuit.com. And once you're signed in there, you can do a lot of things and run reports, which is very helpful for you as a bookkeeper and accountant when things don't happen automatically um, to realize what was part of the uh, what was part of the batch and, and those types of things. But going in there, you can order the, the card swipe. You can either get the, the $19 one, which is just a Bluetooth or the larger one that can be accept, uh, can accept the, the contactless pay uh, as well. I think that's $49. And Dan, I have a question for you. So, so I've seen this question a couple of times. Somebody said, hey, somebody's got a link for PayPal on their website so somebody can pay there. Somebody else says, can QB payments be used on our website? So I know when you go to save an invoice, you mm -hmm. can get a link for that invoice. Is there a generic link that you could put on your website? I'm not sure yeah. about that. That that's one thing that is is constantly asked. Um, you used to be able to do that with the Intuit Payment Network back in back in those days, uh, but uh, no is the short answer. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, but uh, you if you're using a an approved. Uh, e-commerce shopping cart like Shopify or GoDaddy, you can connect your your QuickBooks payments account with those um, with those accounts, uh, you know, with those options. So yes and no. Uh, but if you want to have just make a payment on your website, no. Uh, but if you want to have a checkout process that's connected to your QuickBooks uh, payment, perhaps is the answer. Right. Well, and that makes sense because you want the payment applied to the invoice. So there has to be some way for, you know, they, they have to somehow sign in, like with a shopping cart or something. Um, mm -hmm. But they click the link uh, in their email and it takes them directly in to pay it. So, right. you know. Yeah. QuickBooks, yeah. Uh, QuickBooks Bill and Pay, I think, is, a, is an app that allows you to do that sort of thing. Um, so you can connect your third party uh, or you can connect your QuickBooks account to the QuickBooks bill and pay. And then that allows you to do a little bit more um, robustness. So you could put like a, a, a payment link on your website. Cool. Now, here's another one for you, um, Dan. 
Can payments received in QB Desktop automatically be classed to location? You don't have locations in desktop, so I'm going to assume you're using classes in desktop. Yeah. So can you automatically class it if we use multiple POS classes, not locations? Yeah, so you can't classify a payment in, the uh, in desktop. The invoice is classified. But the invoice right? is going to be classified, right. So um, if you're doing like a recurring transaction, uh, no. But if you've created the transaction already in your, in your QuickBooks and you're just then connecting that payment to your invoice, you would have already done that. Uh, but the payment itself is not going to be able to be classified. Okay, very good. Um, and so is, here's a question about the e-invoicing and desktop, and if you can set it up as a recurring transaction. So one of the differences between uh, desktop and online, in desktop it's called a memorized transaction. So let's say you have that landlord, you set up 50 in, invoices as memorized transactions in desktop, and you tell it to automatically enter them on the fifth day of the month or the first day of the month, or whatever day. With desktop, you actually have to open that file before it will create those invoices. And Dan, can you tell it to send them automatically like you can with QBO? In the recurring? Uh, in a recurring email? invoice in desktop, can it automatically email? It should, uh, but I'd have I to double check so. for you. <laughs> yeah. So with desktop, you have to log into desktop before it creates those invoices. So if nobody logs in and it's supposed to happen on the first of the month, it doesn't mm -hmm. happen until somebody opens that desktop file and then, then they'll create them. With QuickBooks Online, you can be on a beach with a little umbrella drink enjoying <laughs> your vacation. And when that day comes around, it will automatically create the invoice or the sales receipt, email it if you've told it to, and, and, and process the payments if you told it to on the sales receipt. So there's more automation with QBO than there is with QB Desktops when it comes yeah. to recurring transactions there. Right. Now, it'll, uh, it'll re record the payment. You know, if uh, in desktop, if if they've so if they've created it as a as a recurring payment. And one thing I don't know if I mentioned, the recurring payments in desktop is credit card only, not ACH. So big difference there between QBO. Yes, and, you mentioned and it. I mentioned okay. it. You mentioned it again. So okay. hopefully, <laughs> my short term memory uh, is kicking in. Who are you? How did you get here? What? Where That's am I? Funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the good news here is hopefully this helped you guys to learn more about QuickBooks payments. I know a lot of you didn't know much about them yet. Um, this, we had over 90% that did learn something new, so that's always great. Um, if you have additional questions, particularly very specific questions, contact Intuit um, because they're there to help you. And again, you can go in and click learn more to see all those different rates out there. Um, but the biggest thing is start using it yourself with your clients. When I started using it and, and letting the clients pay online and stuff, I had several clients that said, that's really cool. How can I do that for my clients or my customers? You know, And then I helped them set that up and then you get other work from them and pretty soon they become a great client for you. So use it yourself, help your clients implement it, help your clients get switched from other merchant service accounts into QuickBooks payments. Um, you will appreciate it and your clients will as well. Um, Dan and I both appreciate you guys for being here. We did go over some because you all had a lot of great questions and uh, we still had several hundred people on here. Dan, anything else that you want to add? Um, yeah, I wish I did, but I mean, it, I could <laughs> talk about payments all day, um, you know, because uh, I'm really getting into the, the online, you know, e-commerce and that sort of stuff. Um, 
so this is really getting into my niche <laughs> of things that I, I really like to do. And if you can have everything in the in in the Intuit ecosystem, it's the integration is where it really heads or tails, you know, head stands above other other payment processors. And but again, if it's the if it's not the right fit, then it's not the right fit. Um, yeah. If, you know, a lot of a lot of them will have specific needs that they need for their payments, like a payment link on their website. Again, there are options, but you know, you don't want to make the round, you know, the square peg fit in the round hole if that's if that's the case. You know, find what works yeah. for them best, and then um, you know, charge charge accordingly. Exactly. Yes, and that's the thing. You know, we are in charge of our business. You don't go into your dentist and tell the dentist how they're going to, you know, what tools they're going to use and how they're going to do things, or you don't go into the hair salon and tell them what they're going to use. They choose the tools that they use, and we do the same thing. So we need to try to get the clients to use the right tools for the right jobs to streamline that workflow and everything. So great points, Dan. We can continue the discussion out in the Facebook group, so join us out there. We'd love to have you just search Quick, uh, Facebook group, search for QB Power Hour and join us out on Facebook. Dan, thank you so much and thank you everybody for joining us and we will see you back for Automate. Remember we have Automate coming. We're going to talk about batch entering transactions and this is no another area of huge time savings um, for you when you're working with your clients um, and value pricing really comes into play. So we'd love to have you join us for Automate on September 19th. Check us out at the QB training events and don't forget to check out QB Connect as well. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining us. My See you pleasure. in the Facebook group. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to the QB Power Hour podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them in our Facebook group. You can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.